Part 1, Aftermath. The Enterprise had been butchered, and Chief Engineer Montgomery Scott found himself thinking that it might have been better if she had died all at once, and he with her. In the silence of the aft observation lounge, deserted in the ship's early morning cycle, Scott leaned his head against the cool smoothness of the large viewport. He closed his eyes, thinking of another time when he might have touched any part of the ship and felt within her the hum of her generators, powered by the wedding song of matter and antimatter. But there were no vibrations now. That life had fled. Scott opened his eyes again. His breath had fogged the viewport, and the haze it made suddenly flared silver-white as the Enterprise's orbit took her over Talon's moon into the full reflected sunlight of Talon's sun. It cruelly showed how the blue-white gleam of the ship's hull metal was streaked with black from the energy arcs that had penetrated her overloaded shields just before the end. Scott's trained eye scanned the upper surface of the engineering hull, evaluating the inelegant arrangement of roughly bonded pressure plates and repair bands. He cringed at the imperfection of the work. It was starbase mechanics who worked on her now. Scott and only a handful of others were all that remained on board of the Enterprise's original crew. At least, Scott thought again for the thousandth time, at least if I had been on the bridge when it happened, then this would be over for me too, and I'd be with the captain wherever the poor lad is. Behind him, the observation lounge door puffed open, and Scott cringed, knowing it could only be one person. Good morning, Mr. Scott. The work is proceeding nicely, wouldn't you say? Scott took a breath to calm himself. In the viewport's reflection, he saw the glowing lights of that ridiculous swagger stick spin through the air as Lieutenant Stiles flipped it under his arm. It was a damned annoying affectation on a starship. But then Stiles was a damned annoying man. Aye, I suppose it is. You don't sound too pleased, Mr. Scott. Scott hated the smug smile that split the man's sharp features. There's only one way to treat this ship, Mr. Stiles. You don't feel my chaps are treating this ship the right way? Then Stiles turned to Scott, and the chief engineer stared in shock as he saw that Stiles no longer wore the stylized comet insignia of the USS Monitor on his gold command shirt. He wore the insignia of the Enterprise. Like it? Starfleet has reassigned me. I'm commanding the Enterprise now. No, Scott thought. Never. A ship needs a captain, Lieutenant. An operational ship needs a captain, Mr. Scott. And the Enterprise is anything but. The experts have made up their minds, then? In a manner of speaking, the decision has been made to detach what's remaining of the port nacelle. 
Of course, the tugs will take the ship out of the system first, just in case. Scott had to look away. They were gambling with all that was left of the Enterprise. In case she slingshots into warp, what do they think is going to happen to her then that hasn't happened already? If the ship does slingshot, then it's apt to be an unfocused transition. The experts from the Cochrane Institute have calculated that the Starbow effect could be quite spectacular, and the officials from the First Contact Office feel that every step should be taken to ensure that the event is not observable from the surface of Talon Four. The Prime Directive's taken enough of a beating down there as it is, wouldn't you say? And if the ship doesn't slingshot, then there happen to be two constant.